0: Last week, I did a series, uh, or started a series called on It's a Heart Thing. And this week, I'm going into kind of part two. I was going to tie in, but our altar time really, once I knew what I was going to do at altar time today, I kind of changed gears, and it, it, I'm going to do part two. It's a heart thing, and I just have like this giant dollar sign on my thing. No, I'm not doing a, a capital campaign. I want to just continue with my series, and I'm using a dollar sign. As we talked about last week, the heart is a powerful thing, and it is deeply deceptive, and we can't possibly think that we know it. We talked about that in great detail. When you're young, you fall in love. They say the average teenager falls in love, like, between the ages of sixteen and 17, like, I I think the number back when I was a youth pastor was over 30 times. Some laughed at me when I said that back then, and some just kind of went, oh. Because there was some truth to it. It is only God after deep reflection that can know the depths of what really is in there churning and making us act and think and do what we do. I mean, let's be honest. Our hearts drive us to do what Some very interesting things, doesn't it? Sometimes we'll do things like sharing in love. We're not sharing in love, we're gossiping. You know, I'm listening in love. We're receiving gossip because we need to know, right? Right? Say yes. Let's have some fun today. All right? We'll keep it light. But we're going to deal with some heavy stuff. All right? That's the way it's got to go. I've learned back when mom used to give me cod liver oil, she used to try to make it funny as she jammed a giant spoon down my throat. All right. So we must trust in him who can reveal our hearts to us and protect us from the very thing that we often romanticize. The heart. There are so many movies dedicated to the heart. The guy at the very last minute realizing, oh, that he loves her, jumps in a cab, races as fast as he can to the airport, only to realize that the plane just took off. Heart sank. A tear. Only to realize that she was standing right there. Right? That's the Hollywood way. Mind you, some of you won't admit it, but you've been glued to Google for the last week. YouTube watching the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial where that's not really the way the heart works in real life. It's a whole lot more sick and twisted. Videotaping and audio recording each other. Why? They could have been using that time to fix their marriage. Just throwing it out there. The heart is not necessarily something to romanticize. It is a force to be reckoned with. Another area that this shows up, the heart shows up, is in the voices of our life that we hear. And one of them is dollars. I don't talk a ton about money and how it affects our lives, but I want to take some time this morning and walk through it and you might go, oh, 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 must have had a bad offering last week. It's summertime almost. The Offerings always go down in the summer. We batten down the hatches every year in the summer because, you know, most people, I mean, I always did. We used to just like take our tithe the summer and leave it before we go. But I've learned that people just take it with them and spend it. And they tell God, hey, it's in the OZ category. And they have every intention of paying God back. Listen, God is not a bookie. I'm just saying. People will justify it with, well, I don't trust the church. Because you know, they don't nah, I don't know what they do with it. Listen, that's not your concern. If you're freely giving to God, who do you think's bigger? Me or God? And I'm not the one that, you know spends it all anyway, but I'm just throwing it out there. Who is the one to be more, you know, who should be more afraid? Me? I should be more afraid, right? Because I'm going to be judged on a greater level, correct? But I don't want to start there, actually. I want to talk about two people who actually encountered this issue of money and how they responded to it, and then we're going to talk about how This can implicate our lives. Matthew, or the calling of Matthew. I remember Matthew in the Bible. It's okay, you can raise your hand. I'm not going to make you get up, I promise. All right. Matthew 9, verse 9 to 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now that was his vocation. So you can assume right away he was crooked because they all were. In that time, they were crooked. So if your taxes were like, say today, they were $3,000, they charged you five. And you either paid it or you got locked up, period. Because, you know, you'd throw a few bucks to the jailer and that was just the way it was gonna be. You had no recourse. There was nothing you could do. You paid what you were told. The system was rigged against you. The tax collector was rich. Come to think of it, it's kind of like today. You pay what you got to pay. I mean, it's just the way it is. I don't know how they arrive at the numbers they arrive at, do you? I don't really know. I know that where we used to live, that in the state we were in, they had, we moved in and the person before us was a senior. So they had, like, we got one year under the senior. Tax, And then they said the next year, it was going to be the, hey, you're not a senior tax. And I said, that's a big jump. Can I appeal that? And they said, oh, sure, absolutely. And so I made an appointment and the lady came to my house. And she sits down at the table, a very nice lady. And she said, now, before I open my paper and I begin to write things down, before I walk around your house and your property, I need to tell you something. I said, well, what's that? If I begin to write things down, like I notice on your uh, property, it says that you only have two buildings. I said, well, we do. No, I saw three. The third one was a shed that was literally falling over. Like, if you went in it, you could die. And she goes, Well, there's three, and we measure the square footage and we charge by the square footage. She said, We technically could fine you, and your taxes will go up exponentially. And then she folded her arms and said, Do you still want to proceed? I anyway, went, you know what, we're having a we're good. You just would you like a would you like a drink? Okay. Have a good day. So I didn't do anything because the tax collector had me at the booth. But Jesus walks by and he says to Matthew, follow me he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. There's nothing else said here. He didn't have any dirty laundry on Matthew. He doesn't say there's anything else said. There's nothing inferred in the original language. Nothing is lost in the translation. He just said, follow me. And he got up and he followed him, not an hour later, right away. He immediately walked away from this power control this wealth he walked away that was it he didn't care interesting while jesus was having dinner at matthew's house doesn't say a few. It says, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why is your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? That's, that's always baffled me why the Pharisees would say things like that, right? Why does you know the answer to mankind's problems go hang out with the people who are struggling with the problem? But here he is. Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Why is he doing that? I mean, Jesus doesn't just go from Matthew. He's got, now he's got all the tax collectors. He's got the sinners and he's having a meal with them. Now you might say, this is no big deal. Well, it is a big deal because Jews didn't mix and mingle with unclean people. They just didn't do it. It's kind of the equivalent of like high society snobbery that we would see today. If you're a young person, it's sort of like the really cool people at school going and hanging out with the lonerish people at school that nobody likes. But yet here Jesus is going right for that crowd. It kind of makes you wonder a little bit. And I mean, in church culture today, we see churches all the time catering. Oh, get ready for it! They cater to people with money. Yeah, I said it. I've seen it. I know a lady who was very wealthy, and she said to me, and I church, the pastor had a dinner." Privately for all of the people who are millionaires. So he could tell them of his big dreams and pitch to him, pitch to us all the things he wanted so we could pull our checkbooks out. Now you all know me really well. It took like I'm almost positive Shauna was staring bullets through my forehead. It took everything in me. Because when I got into ministry years ago, that was one of the first tests I got hit with. How are you going to treat people with money versus people without money? Exactly the same. I just don't care. They're all God's children. They're all God's children. And we see this situation. It's a corrupt, dark, twisted situation. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, religious people have heart issues and they can't see who really has a pure heart and who does not they just see who who the people are, the haves and the have-nots. See, religion really is this, the ritualistic practice of something. So in our context, it would be this. It would mean maybe you don't miss church. You're there every week. Uh, You sing a song. You read your Bible. But You really don't have an active relationship with God. You don't really serve him in any active way. Your life doesn't reflect anything at all. If I asked 10 people who knew you, if you were a believer, they would have no clue. That's religion. Relationship is totally different. And I could maybe use this illustration if I was to ask 10 people who knew you how to describe your love relationship with your spouse, and they could immediately go on and on about, oh my gosh, they just can't keep their hands off each other. They're always like, you know, holding hands, and they're always talking about each other, and they're like 80. And the young people all just got sick, I know, but grandparents, you could totally do this. You know what I'm saying? I think it's really neat when you see older folks all those years later, and they're still that in love. Isn't that cool? One person? All the older folks are going, too tired. Okay, all right. (laughs) On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I mean, Jesus is calling it straight out. It is a heart thing. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. See, the gospel message is not for those who feel and declare themselves to be healthy and don't need anything. It's for those who know that they are sinners, they are lost, and they need an answer. How many of you knew you were lost and needed an answer? Let me see your hand. Three of us. The rest of us aren't even sure why we're here. How many of you knew? Come on. There might be somebody here this morning that's looking around going, if they don't know, I don't know why I'm here. I can tell you that when I began to become aware that I needed Jesus as my Savior, you know where it started? It didn't start here. It started here. It was a heart issue. I began to become aware that I wasn't clean, and it didn't matter what I did. I couldn't clean myself. And then I began to realize that no matter how much I tried, I couldn't get right with God. I couldn't get right on my own. I couldn't be the person I wanted to be. How many ever tried to fix yourself? Come on. Don't you lie to me now. Well, don't lie to him now. Come on now. That makes it even harder. How many, I've tried to fix myself a million times. I'm terrible at it. I'd have better luck trying to fix a car. And you don't want me doing that. You don't. I'm horrible. I've tried. I've actually gone into the hood. I don't know why. I don't know what any of those things are. I opened my toolbox, had the hood up. I'm like, what are you doing? You don't even know what that is. I just thought if I took a bunch of stuff apart, it it would fix it. Cost me more money. I know you don't believe me, but I did that. I did do that. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. You see, He has to come to call not the righteous, those who are in right standing. No, no, no. He's not coming after those. He's calling sinners, those who have heart issues. And so he spoke right to Matthew, where he was at. And he said, Follow me. He wasn't just like saying, Hey, come walk with me. He was calling him out of his sinful life. I was 16 when he called me out of my life. And I knew that when he called me out of my life, the day that he called me, I knew a couple of things when I heard that voice. I knew that it meant a change of future, there was a change of future coming. I knew my destiny was going to change. I didn't know what it was going to be totally, but I knew it was going to change. And you know what? I'm glad he didn't tell me because if he had told me that I would be standing here all these years later, I'd have been scared to death. I mean, think about that. Sometimes we go, God, why won't you tell me? Why won't you tell me? Tell me, God, tell me, now. Listen, he wouldn't tell you because you can't handle it. God tells us what we need to know for today. because if He gives us too much down the road, we're going to run away. And I'll just be honest, you know why? Because we're chicken. we're just afraid. Some of you go, "Don't say that, I am not. Yeah, you are. And so am I. God knows what you and I can handle. And I'm going to tell you, it's it's way, way less than we think. All right. We see the same version of the story. I'm not going to read it, but he refers to him as Levi in Mark chapter 2. He refers to him as Levi again in Luke chapter 5. In short, this story is important enough that it's referred to in the other Gospels. He wants us to understand that the hold of money wasn't enough to keep him there. That should speak to us today. But I fear in some cases it does not. Did you know that the last survey I read, which this goes back probably about seven or eight years, so this is back a bit. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of three to 6% of the church actually tithed regularly. Three to 6%. It's true. Whoever's radio that was. And somehow, the reaction I just got tells me you're not surprised. Three to six percent keep the lights on, keep the doors open, And I know what's going to happen. I'll probably get a few notes after. And it's going to be, I can't afford this. I can't afford that. Listen, I'm going to tell you, for every person that says that to me, there are people that will come to me and I know their story. I know financially where they're at and they're probably tighter than you and yet they are faithful. And I'm going to walk through that in Scripture too. You can never outgive God. And again, this is not about me. Pastors struggle sometimes with talking about this because they're afraid people will leave the church. (laughs) Here's kind of my feeling on this. If God doesn't have your wallet, he probably doesn't really totally have your heart. And people will often get mad at me for saying that too. But there's some truth to that. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 27, talks about another guy who had a money issue. As Jesus started on his way, and I'm going to whip through this super quick now, so stay with me. A man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, he just was, doesn't this verse speak of desperate nature? Like he was desperate. He wanted to have eternal life. Like He falls on his knees. What do I got to do? And verse 18 says, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Truth is, it's a hard thing, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. And then he lists them all off. In other words, live up to the commandments. The law was put in place for one purpose in the Old Testament. And you need to understand why it was put in place for it to make sense. It was put in place to expose the heart for what it is and reveal to you and I our need of a Savior who could say, follow me. One who would heal our heart. How do we know... Well, let's read the next verse. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. So he went from hearing all that to right away saying, I've done all that. And yet he still knows something's wrong. He knows something's amiss. And in verse 21, Jesus looked at him and he didn't get mean with him. He didn't scorn him. He didn't chastise him. He looked at him and... What's it say? Say it with me. Loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. I want to be clear. God is not saying that every person that has money has to go and sell it all so they can follow him. This guy had a money problem. And he was speaking to him about his money problem. He was in bondage to his wealth. It controlled him. Now money can be that to other people too. But I've also known some incredibly wealthy people in the church who you would never know and they were incredibly generous, not just to the church, but to people specifically. Like they would help people and didn't want anyone to know. And oftentimes they would do it through me or through the church. They would hand me an envelope and say, give it to this family and make sure that they do not know where it came from. And they didn't give me the stipulation of making sure they get a tax credit. Not that that matters. I, I'm in favor of them getting one. If you can get one, get one. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, if the government wants to giveth, let them giveth because they're going to take it. Right? Render to Caesar, but take it from Caesar. <laughs> so in this particular case, Jesus loved him. But he said, he didn't just like leave him with nothing. At the end, he puts, then come follow me. He gave him the same invitation that he gave to Matthew. But here's the response. At this, the man's face fell. Now, you can interpret that however you want. I interpret it this way that he literally was like just dumbfounded. Like literally in shock. Like to the core He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, that didn't mean that he couldn't give it away. It's not like the wealth was great and he couldn't give it away. It was because the wealth was great and he didn't want to give it away. I mean, no offense, like, I've never had great wealth. So I don't know what that's like. When I started out in ministry, I don't mind telling you. It's okay. My first church, I told my pastor, I said, so that people will take seriously that I'm a pastor here, uh, please say I'm on staff. He says, well, I can't, I'm not paying you. I said, pay me a dollar and say that I'm on staff. He said, well, I'll pay your gas mileage and then I'll say you're on staff. I said, perfect. That was, that was my paycheck. He went, so well, how much did you get? I don't know, man. I I definitely some months made sure I drove a lot just to make sure I got paid. I think the most I ever got in a month was like five, six hundred dollars. And it was just to get by. Another church that I worked in, I got an offering once a month. Woo, let me tell you. Some months, menza, menza. Christmas time was always good. God blessed me at Christmas time. Um, I think I remember one month it was like $175. Now you might go, well, you know, I, I'm not complaining, but you know, I had a car payment and I had to drive 25 miles to where I worked. My parents helped out, thank the Lord. Because how I many you know, even a hundred years ago, you know, like that didn't stretch very far. Yeah. But I promised that I wouldn't make it about money. And I stood on a verse that, you know, that those who labor, oh, I can't remember how it goes now. I just want blank. <laughs> Anyhow, there's a verse that those who labor, that they'll get paid basically. This is the paraphrase. And God always met my needs. Sometimes it was down to the penny. Literally the penny. I don't think I ever had anything left over. And over the years, God has increased in taking care of my family and myself and my needs. Am I a wealthy man today? No. Not in that sense. But I'm wealthy beyond my wildest dreams with a beautiful wife who I love, who's probably embarrassed right now. But I mean, I'm blessed with four boys who drive me nuts. But I mean, I really couldn't ask for four better boys. I really couldn't. Are they perfect? No! But God knew what he was doing when he placed them in my life. Because they amaze me every day. And what's ironic, and I tell them this, having lost my dad before any of them were born, my dad never got to meet any of them, God deposited pieces of my father in each one of them. And they will do stuff that is so my dad, that it is crazy. It's like a gift to me. And as I was recovering, they started to treat me like I was 90. Dad, are you sure you should walk through the hallway? I'm like, they didn't operate on my legs like they work, you know? No, they took good care of me. At this, his face fell. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Again, now he's broadening the generalization because it is hard because money has a powerful hold on people. And then the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God not because God doesn't love rich people, but because there can become a reliance on your own means versus trusting God. Try that again. You can become comfortable relying on your own means versus trusting God. I mean, America, think about it. The wealthiest nation in the world And do you know, historically speaking, the greatest moves of God have not happened when we have been at our most affluent. It has been when we have been at our poorest. During depressions. Hard times. That's when people hunker down and call on God. When they don't know where the next meal's coming from. That's when... We call on God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but, with, but not with God. With, all thi- with him, all things are possible with God. So we have to understand that even though it's hard, even though it's difficult with God, it's possible. If we walk in relationship with God, your bank account doesn't matter. God can make it happen. Somebody say amen. Aren't you thankful for that today? All right, now let's get down to the heart issue today, okay? I've only got like three, four verses left, and they're just singles, so single verses. Dollars is a common theme in both stories. One could walk away and one couldn't. So let's talk about what the Word tells us about dollars on a personal level. From gifts to cash. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8 says this Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, this can apply, and a lot of times preachers use this exclusively to money. I'm going to broaden it. It's your life as well. We have been given breath in our lungs. Freely, we should be serving the kingdom of God. Now, another Barna statistic is that it was 30%, which I know it's lower than that, of the people who would say they go to any church are the ones that do all the ministry. That means the other 70 are somewhere. Now I get it. Life is busy. I work. I this. I that. I the Blah, 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 blah. We can all give some time. Nobody, I will never expect, and here's my expectation I would never expect you to put the time in that I do or that my wife does. I mean, that woman doesn't stop. And I have to give her props because she works hard. I have to say that because she does. It's the truth. But the reality is is we can all do something. Find something that you can do and do it. Simple. Be a part of the Sunday morning ministry team. Well, I don't like it. doesn't mean it's not a need, and if it's something you can do and you can't do anything else, do it. Be a part of something. If we go into the community to deliver groceries, they do that once a month. Get involved in that. Find out. Find out where there is a need. When I was out, I obviously couldn't be at youth, and I found out, and maybe this is, ai don't know. And I didn't take it too personal, sort of. They grew. What's that? Again, my wife was speaking and stuff, and they grew. I'm like, you've never done youth before? She goes, but I like it. I said, "Yeah,." But... And they wouldn't even tell me that, this is how secretive they were. You guys should know this. They wouldn't even tell me how youth was. They would say, "Good, that was it." It grew. They started inviting other people to help out. Who said they could do that? I didn't give them that permission. Ah. <sighs> It's a good idea. And I like that they did. Because you know what? More people means more people connect with different people. And relationships are what? Build the church. Bottom line. Kids ministry. It's growing. you got to remember, we were shut down because of the pandemic. And it's growing. It's growing. Oh, I don't like kids at all. At all. Don't go back there then. Okay, that's the one I'll tell you. Don't go back there. If you don't like kids, don't go. But you know what? If you do, they probably could use your help. No one told me. I don't have a list. I'm just giving you things. Right? There's stuff. So he talks about that issue there. Freely you have received, freely give. What have we received? Well, salvation. So we should freely give our lives. Generously encouraged. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, or God- Love For God loves a cheerful giver. Now, we're talking here, and it could definitely specifically apply to giving of money, but it also applies, you could make it apply to your time and your life and everything else. Nobody can use you if you are using this principle and giving to God. No one. Because God is the multiplier here in this process. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Who's the one that's allowing you to reap? God, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I trust. The I don't know if I trust the board. Heard they want to build a gold birdbath. Listen, Gary brought that up, and I told him no. All right? Each of us should give what we have decided in our hearts to give. And we shouldn't do it with any reluctancy in our heart, and you shouldn't do it under compulsion. That means you shouldn't do it because I'm up here, standing here stirring the pot. You should do it because you've decided to do it. So don't you dare come up to me, on, oh, pastor, he manipulated me to give. Are you that weak-minded that in 20 minutes I could manipulate you that much? I'm just giving you what it says. Do with it what you want. When we got married, we made a decision we would tithe. Period. Period. On the first fruit of our paychecks. So when we got paid, the first fruit means the minute it hit the account, we took the tithe out first, before we paid a bill, before we paid anything else, before we got overwhelmed by the pile of stuff, we paid it. Gave it to God. And that was that. And we've continued to do that over the years. And I'm going to tell you, God has blessed us. And I am beyond thankful for what he has done over the years. You have no idea. I could stand here and tell you personal stories where he's blessed us on a personal level of just like health and and, and happiness and things like that. But then I could tell you some financial things he's done in our lives that nobody, nobody knew. Nobody knew. And I will close with one story, one at the end that will blow your mind. It's not about the amount. Luke 21 says this, Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put more in than all the others. All these people give their gifts of wealth, of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. Sometimes, and I even had someone say to me, I don't tithe because my tithe wouldn't make a difference anyway. That's not, the, that's not really why, that's not why we tithe. If your tithe is a dollar, it's it's really about your obedience and relationship to God. Just let Him deal with it. Let Him multiply it. Let Him do what He does. That's God. Acts 20, 35, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I know someone said, man, I like to receive. But I'm going to tell you, and and I think this is probably the spot right here. When we were first in the States, I was the only one that could work. The visa that I came in on was what they call an R2 visa. And my wife could not work. Actually, she wasn't considered a person. It's true. Actually, her driver's license actually said not considered real ID. Even though she had her picture, her name, everything, it said not real ID. And so she couldn't get a job. She couldn't get paid for anything she did. And so we lived on my salary and my salary alone. And I was not allowed to get paid for anything that I did except working in the church. So I couldn't take a second job or like mow grass or any of that kind of stuff, okay? So you, you're getting where this could get complicated if you needed to make some extra money, right? Couldn't do it. Well, we had some uh, medical bills come in. I mean, you know, those can be big. And it, it was a problem. And this sat for a little while. And I believe it was getting to near where they start to go to collections or something. And I'm a little fuzzy on some of the details, to be honest, on the front end. But I do remember how it all came together. And I, Sean was getting really worried and we we were praying about it. And we're like, we don't know what to do. And at that, for a long time, this this is how long ago it was. When we first moved to the States, the Canadian dollar was worth more. Now, not so much. And so uh, family couldn't help us out. There just was nothing. We were, we were on our own. And so we, uh, we didn't know what to do. And we just said, God, we need your help. And we really didn't tell anybody. Serious. I didn't like stand at the pulpit in a sermon and like leak it out, you know. I didn't say anything. And all of a sudden, my wife said, I need to talk to you when you get home. And I get home, and she's like sitting there, saying, talk to you, going to our bedroom, thinking, oh, this is really serious, like <laughs> something's really wrong. And on the bed is an envelope. She says, you need to open it. As I open it, crocodile tears just start running down her face. And I open it up, and there's this check that falls out for the exact amount to the penny Of what we needed. The story was this individual that we knew months earlier, God spoke to them. This person is they're not wealthy. They are they actually are blue-collar people, have been saving up a little bit at a time, and had a little nest egg, and God spoke to this to the to the wife in the middle of the night that she needed to give this to us. And this was two or three months earlier. And this went on every night. And finally, she couldn't handle it anymore. And one night, she thought, well, I'll just tell my husband because he'll probably say no. And one night, she just blurted it out to her husband. She said, we, this is what, I can't, she started crying and she told him what God had told her. And he said, do it. It was to the literal, and it wasn't like an even number. It was like an odd like number. I'm not going to, but it was also not $500. It was like in the thousands, and it was not an even number, down to the penny. And I said, please tell me you told her you can't take it. She goes, I called her and told her I can't take it. And she said that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt Because every night, God spoke to her for months about the specific amount, this number, and that she had to give it. And I was like blown away. And she said that she knew that God had a blessing for them. And she didn't want to be denied that. I was floored. She said, please don't ever tell anyone our name's. Never told anyone their names, and I never will. Ask Pastor Nate just to come. Luke 6 says this Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You can never outgive God. With whatever measure you want to be a blessing to the Kingdom of God or to somebody else, God is going to measure back to you. You can't outgive Him. It just, you can't. And there's lots of ways to be a blessing. I mean, I love this man right here. Don't you? Between him and me, we have 43 kids. I mean, there's creative ways to give. As our kids have grown up, giving away clothes. We could clothe a neighborhood. There's lots of ways to be a blessing. And just let God use you. But here's the verse you hear all the time. You see, God's pretty specific about, and this some people think is like the, This is it. This is all i got to do. This is the starting point. Malachi 3.10 Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. The tithe, the tenth. People talk about 10%. I had a pastor one time tell me, well, how about we start the people at 2% and then build them up to 3 and 4 And I said, well, you can do that if you want to teach them to sin all the way up to 10 I said, God doesn't say that. He says a 10th. Just give them the truth. Let them decide what they want to do with it. God gives us all that he gives us and he asks for a 10th. Young people, hear me. My this best sermon I could give you. My dad gave me this when I was young, and it, honestly, I'm kind of cheap. How many? I don't know if you guys do this. You ever buy something and then have buyer's regret, and then you think you should return it? I mean, you're like that. You're some of you're nodding, yeah, yeah, you're like that. Okay. Especially with Amazon, you can send everything back like six months later. You know, after you've worn it a hundred times. My dad said to me back when minimum wage was three. How many remember $3.15? They're going, what? That's slave labor. That was good money. So my tithe was like terribly low. But To me, it was like cutting off my arm. My dad said, if you can't tithe on that, what are you going to do when God gives you a job like mine where I make much more money than you and the numbers are so much bigger he says you'll never do it he said start now while well, the numbers are small and you'll always be able to give best advice he gave me because I literally started to tithe that week and it never stopped did I ever miss a week I won't lie probably somewhere in there did I have to double up and catch up and all that kind of stuff yes so today i just want to encourage you i'm not going to ask who needs to recommit or dedicate or any of that stuff i this is a heart matter and only you know there's a few areas one are you giving of your time are you giving of your life are you giving of your resources because i don't know if you've looked around at the world I sure hope you have. I'm going to say what I said before I went out for surgery. I don't think we have much time left. And that's not for manipulative purposes. That's just what I believe. I said it then. I remember me saying it. I just want to verify that. I've been preaching that for over a year, year and a half. We don't have much time. I believe the Lord is coming back, coming soon. The church needs to be ready. And my biggest concern about our church, because this is a loving church. You guys, my wife was right. You are a loving church. I think if a person came in here broken and hurting, man, they would get hugged to death. You are a hugging church. And I'm even okay with it now. (laughs) Just don't hug my neck too hard. But I'm going to tell you, we're also a storehouse. And we got to be able to meet physical and tangible needs. Because that's what the world's looking for. And once that happens, they will come sit with us. They'll worship with us. They'll accept Christ with us. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be together and to worship, to dig into your word and just find out more about this issue of the heart. The heart really can trick us. It can deceive us. We've seen how Matthew was ready to Run and follow you, but we also saw the rich young ruler was just so under control with the money that captivated his life. I pray, Father, that you would just help us to loosen our fingers on the things that we can't take with us, anyways, and that you would give us wisdom as to how to use it to bless where blessing is needed, to be a resource where resources are needed. Father, we thank you today that you have been so, so good to us as a church. We thank you for all the things that you have helped us repair and fix and put right in this building just in the last year. We we would be wrong to not thank you for those things because this is where we worship you in this house. You have been so good to us. And we thank you for that. We ask that, Lord, you would fill this place. We thank you for growing our daycare. We thank you for growing our influence in our community. We thank you, Lord, for the families that are being touched with Uh, clothes with love and the food that goes with it and the ministries into the high rises with the groceries and on and on it goes let us continue to see more father we thank you in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen and amen enjoy this wonderful long weekend we'll see you next week god bless